Well, anyway, I'm Violent for Vileviews.com, and I'm with Melanie Mongeon from Fuck the Facts, and they've just, uh, hey, how's it going? Hey, good and you? And you guys just got nominated for a Juno, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, can't complain. Yeah, and we're also with Michelle, who's helping out uh, record and monitor our conversation and, uh, and translate, if need be. <clears throat> so thanks, Michelle. And, uh, well, Melanie, in what cities have uh, Fuck the Facts received the most support while playing live? Um, I, like, there's, there's cities, of course, that it's better than others, but I would say in general, Canada has been uh, really, really supportive. And um, for this last album, we toured from coast to coast uh, in the past few months, and we've been really warmly welcome like you know from halifax to to montreal to ottawa to toronto like a month ago to vancouver and even the prairie so yeah um i feel lucky at this point right on do you find that uh certain cities attract a certain kind of person who's into fuck the facts um not, not really i you know i mean when you travel, like crowds look kind of the same everywhere. Like there's little difference, but we all kind of, you know, dress all with the same band shirts and the same like you'll see the same jean jackets everywhere. Like there's there's a lot of similarities, I would say. Saint Bruno, Montarville. Right on. What do you think has helped you the most in gaining your fans? Um, oh, that's a tough thing, you know, because you can you can put all the work you want, but if in the end nobody wants to listen to you, nobody will. So um, we've definitely put a lot of work in, in this band over the past um, four, four, 15 years, sorry. Um, and I think that helps help us out. That helps us out a lot. That uh, we're, we're kind of workaholics with this um, and I also think um, for us it's helped us out to to take the DIY route with our recordings um, nowadays recordings need to sound better and better and budgets from from labels are not as big to give to bands for studio so it, you get that kind of tricky situation where you need to sound good on your album, uh, but it can't cost a lot. So for us, investing in better gear and having our own studio really, really helped us, uh, you know, and allowed us to spend the time we want in a studio. So I think that helped us out a lot, too. Yeah, I guess in the music one thing I noticed at first was how the band tends to stop very suddenly with these brutal cutoffs and then unleashes the fury in the next riff how long has it taken to get that technique down and do the band members communicate while playing in a certain way to keep things tight yeah I mean we've been jamming a lot of years together and if I think about uh, the drummer and the guitar player now at this point it's been 10 years so I think there's point that you know there's a lot of non-verbal they they just know and you know we there's a time I remember we would jam four times a week um I'm sure somebody out there does more than that but to me it feels like it's a good amount of jam to to get your stop tights um I find a you know, if it's not tight, especially a stop, then you lose a lot of impact. So 
Yeah, definitely. I think it's just a question of practice. Um, nowadays, we play our set through a click, uh, so that helps being tight as well. But that's just something recent. Right on. What kind of tunings do you use? Uh, your sound is very strange. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, sorry. I'm, I don't know about uh, the tuning. Uh, since I don't play any instrument in the band, I... Yeah, no. Do the guy? Do you find the guys are busy using their tuning pegs in some kind of weird way, and spending hours doing this sometimes? No, no, no. It's, <laughs> I don't think it's that crazy, but yeah, I don't. They're they're nerds in their way, but not that nerdy. <laughs> right on. What kind of tunings? Um, like, sorry, not what kind of tunings. So I just asked you that. How does your personal motivation drive your performances? Um, it's it's all personal motivation because there's no money to be made. So if there's no personal motivation, there's no motivation. Um, so, you know, basically doing this, and especially for all these years, uh, when you start, you go a bit more for, you know, there's the hope that you're going to make it or just the idea that you can become a bigger band and then, you get older and you realize that, you know what, like, there's not going to be money into making this and that's what it is and that's okay. And then all that's left for you to motivate is just the fact that you love doing what you love. So personal motivation is really <laughs> the mm. thing, I guess, yeah. Um, and of course, some nights, you know, when you think about a certain set, like us, the way we work, it's always the same set for a set amount of time, let's say for... For the tour, for the last album we did, um, all all the shows we played the same set. Um, then until you get another release, then we'll switch up the set. Um, so you know it becomes like a routine. So you play the same set over and over, the same song, the same order. So it gets really mechanical at some point, and uh, it gets trickier on on the bad shows. You know the the shows where. Right you're really you know you're far from home you've been on the road for a while and there's not that many people and it's you need to dig up a bit more to find that energy for sure um do you find that how you're personally feeling on that night will be the focus for how you perform at that gig well of course it's linked like um, especially for vocals, what I'm doing, it's, you know... There's a lot of feeling in your vocals. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and it's like, as being... If you're a singer and you don't have an instrument in front of you, um, you're pretty naked in a certain way, and f figuratively speaking, in front of the audience. So, um, it's... It can you be have a vulnerable to, position. Yeah, so if it's a cold crowd, you just have to find a, um, a spot for yourself to still be comfortable and find this energy um, without feeding from the energy from the crowd. With uh, Also, yeah, with vocals, you're doing vocals with uh, Mark, the bass yeah. player. Yeah. How did, uh, how did that develop with the trade-off vocals between the two of you? Well, it's uh, before him, a long time ago, there was another bass player that would just do a few vocals here and there, but nothing, you know, just like one or two lines per song. Um, and then Mark joined, and, uh, you know, we, we liked his vocals, and we liked the difference between his vocals and my vocals. We felt they, uh, they complemented each other quite well. So 
we slowly and it was not a um a intentional decision it went just kind of natural and gradually that slowly which each each song would compose or each release slowly it would have more and more vocals and now he has close to half uh we do a lot of doublings and uh so it just came naturally like it just nowadays it's like we we write a song and i'll i'll uh I'll write the patterns and the lyrics, or sometimes I'll write the lyrics, but I'll, I'll always write the patterns, and then I'll try to picture in my head which voice is going to do that one. So it's always a... Uh, no, and whichever voice seems to be the one... One second, it's just my kid. Ah. Dear television, always good to look after the kid when you're busy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, some uh, some kids downstairs as well. Okay. But they're actually my friends. But I think of them as kids because, um, as as an uh, an ant like uh, Treebeard from Lord of the Rings. That's what the ant part is and violent. Oh, okay. And trees are very old, so since I'm so ancient, they are as humans are so young, <laughs> whereas I am ancient. Okay. So to me, they're they're like my kids, and I help them along uh, the way of the metal. <laughs> so you're, you're a, a, a mentor in a way, you would say. Mental. Mentor. Oh, a mentor. Yeah, yeah. I could be a, a mental mentor, or just a, a metal mentor. One second, okay. Sorry again. All right, sorry. <laughs> I'm alone at home, so. Yeah. No, okay. I, I, know, so. Uh, I know how it is. But, um, yeah, actually, the first time I heard Fuck the Facts was on a sampler CD from the magazine Ancient Rights, I believe it's called. Wow. That uh, must have been a while ago. That was 2003, I think. Okay. Um, did you, uh, have you always been with the band or did you join a little later after the band started? Um, the band started in 97 as a solo project of the guitar player. Then in the late 2000, he turned it into a full band, like a live band. And the first show was like August 2011. And at that point, I was not in the band, but I, oddly enough, I was at that show. Um... And then about six months later, the singer, I think he couldn't do a few shows, and I think he was not as into it as the rest of the guys. So uh, I was already in other bands, so uh, in other bands at the time. So uh, Topan, the guitar player, just asked me to uh, to fill in for a weekend, and you know that weekend is now 14 years ago. So I missed the first six months, and that's about it. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, you know, at that time, <laughs> you you can never picture yourself, at least I can't, never picture myself, like, in 10 years. Uh, I remember when I was 10, thinking about being 20, I thought I would be a full, in a suit with a, you know, a briefcase, and when it <laughs> didn't happen, and then when I joined that band, I never thought I would still be doing that 14 years later, and managed to fit that into a an actual, like, normal life, let's say. I don't know how to say it better, but... Yes, uh, yeah. we're caught in an odd way. Yeah, life has all these unexpected surprises, it seems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, some really good ones. 
And uh, yeah, so I think the Ancient Rites magazine was from somewhere in South America. I can't remember exactly where, or Latin America, maybe. Okay. And uh, yeah, so it was a good tune. So I always wanted to look out for you guys. And now, yeah, it's about 14 years later. <laughs> but, uh, and here we are. And you're looking forward to touring uh, Europe in March. Is that right? Yeah, and that's going to be the last touring we have for the the album that we released in August. Um, we've did the full U.S., the full Canada, and now we're going to do Europe, and that's going to put an end to the touring for this album. Um, I'm looking forward to it because Europe is always fun, and at the same time, it's fun to be in a different setting. Um, things, you know, we're not as comfortable as at home. It's not our gear. Um, it's not our van. We're not driving. Uh, but there's also awesome aspects like they they really have um, a tradition of welcoming bands really awesomely out there. So that's always a, that's always a pleasure and to see how organized the punk scene is there. It's quite something like with all the squats and everything. And they have way more I find of a political aspect linked to the scene. So that's always interesting to be there. What are the English fans like? I'm just a huge fan of the new wave of British heavy metal and all those English bands. So I'm just curious. Um, yeah, we seem to get a lot of support from the UK. And last tour in Europe in 2013, I believe, that's the first time we went there. Um, and it went well. And we're going back again for, I think, four or five shows this time. Um, it was really strange um, for me because we would, we would play these pubs where... All the pubs, I guess, close at 10 or 11 out there. You know, you finish yeah. playing and it's like 10 p.m. and the sun is still out because it was summer and, like, you know, their, their daytime it lasts longer because they're more up north. Um, and it was, I don't know what happened, but every venue we played was like, you know, the equivalent of, you know, super small, small venue here, but it always had awesome sound guys, so I don't know what's going on there, but it was really, yeah, a cool experience for that, and they have like, all these like, uh, you know, pub, they have really decent beer on, I guess it's cask oh, beer, it's like it's like, the world. Yeah, and it's, I never drank before a set, so by the time it would be done playing, the pub would be closed, so every night I would be like, oh, I can't taste this, this, and this, oh, well. But um, food was rough, food is rough there, at least to what I saw. Um, a lot of instant coffee, weird onion and cheddar sandwich, and a lot of McDonald's, and they seem to really like Aldi, Budweiser, and Molson. But um, the shows were fun, and the crowd was fun, Yeah. What's your favorite food? Um, I'm, I'm vegetarian, so of course I love those like super varied meal with tons of delicious stuff that's kind of homemade. Um, in Europe, uh, what's awesome is often we'll play squats and they'll cook elaborate meals in the kitchen for bands and they'll feed all the nice. bands that night. And the food is just, you know, I, it's, it's amazing because... Especially when you tour Canada and the States, after a week, what you really crave is just a home-cooked, simple meal, just basic food. Yeah. You don't want to, you know, even if it's a vegetarian burger, you don't want a burger. You don't want to see fries. You don't want pizza. So no. in Europe, you get, you know, like, it's, even sandwich at a corner store in Europe is still, like, a baguette with, like, brie in it and real lettuce. It's not those, like, vacuum-sealed things we can see here, you know? So uh, that, that aspect is really fun. And... 
it, it it sounds like nothing, but food really I find has an impact on the long term when you tour. It definitely does for your health. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Going. That and a beer, uh, abuse of beer is not a good idea either for your health, but or for your voice. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's another aspect. No doubt. So what does it mean to you to be nominated for Canada's prestigious Juno Award? It's it's fun, you know, we're we're such a subgenre of music. It's we're not pure grindcore, but I would say that's the main root of what we are and yeah. it's it's fun, like it's surprising, it's and at the same time, like I'm not saying we're the only the like DIY release that's nominated, but it it's you know when we embarked on that adventure of, uh, it's our first full length we released ourselves since I think uh, like 2001 and um, you know since 2001 we did a lot of travel and we grew a lot as a band and we gained, we gained a certain recognition as small as it is uh, but you know when we released that album DIY we, we, we didn't know what to expect and it's kind of fun to see that you can do things like that yourself and still be able to get you know a radio play and get your album listened to and people support it and then nominated for Juno is just the icing on the cake yeah it's most important to get your stuff out to your fans and to keep that fan base growing as it wants to well you can't control it right so yeah whatever it wants to do is what it will do <laughs> yeah exactly it seems sorry. to like you sorry one second again yeah. yeah my daughter keeps asking me every time the episode of tv is done can i watch another one it's like <laughs> yes <laughs> sorry tv is where it's at <laughs> yeah not all day it's not good we limit it no yeah what caused you to release a split with Fistfuck? How do you feel about that band? Um, we have been friends. Like we, uh, actually, the first show I played with the band in the winter of 2002, replacing for the singer, was with Fistfuck in Quebec City. And um, you know, it's uh, it's a small scene there, and they're all good friends with Miss Ryan as well. And we've we've just been seeing these guys over the years and uh, Fistfuck is not a band that's extremely active they don't do that many releases um, but I think at some point the idea came out and it just sounded good and you know it's uh, it's a band we respect and we like what they do and we're extremely happy of the, the vibe of the release Could you tell me about the impressive artwork on the split? Um, really like it's, it. it's the drummer of uh, Fistfuck that did it, and I believe the front has different layers of vegetables. But oh, yeah, that's the what I liked about it. It's just yeah. fact. So he he's a professional uh, graphic designer, and uh, I think he worked that like at night. I'm sure he's probably sick of it sometimes because that's what you do all day and then at night, you know, <laughs> you do more of it for your band. Uh, but yeah, he did a really good job. Definitely. When you release uh, self-released cassettes and downloads like the Abandoned EP yeah. from last year, how do you distribute them other than selling them at shows? 
Um, everything we sell is pretty much online on our website. And the first release we did ourselves um, was a split that we did. No, sorry, not a split. An EP we did between albums on Relapse. Um, Relapse was nice enough. Technically, I don't think we were allowed to re release splits on our own between albums. But since... We were, we were not a money-making band. They were letting us do it. Uh, no, the contract said otherwise. So the first uh, EP we released ourselves between albums, like that on Relapse, we put it up on our website for sale and just did an pr online promotion. And uh, I think from release to release, uh, people that are into our stuff got the habit of just going straight to us to buy our merch. And we try to have... Um, you know, a decent website with everything on it that's, you know, easy to, to see with as good price as we can, but shipping is extremely brutal. It's often more expensive mm. than the merch. So we do what we can, but at the same time, that's a reality we have. We can't uh, avoid. Right. What's the best thing about putting out do-it-yourself releases? Um, you know, there's times you... Like last summer, it's the six months leading to the album were insane. Like, because we, like we did all the recording, mixing, the artwork, um, shopping to press it, you know, everything like that, uh, the promotion plan, uh, all the shipping for the orders. So there's time like last summer. I think we barbecued once at home, you know, and it was like, it was tough because we knew we had no time left and every free time had to be put on the band. But you do it for, because that's what you believe in and it's what you want to do. So uh, it was extremely rewarding in that sense because we put a lot of, a lot of work into it, but it's been rewarding because of that at the same time. Are there um, planned releases for the near future? No, we're gonna we're gonna chill for a bit after Europe. <laughs> right on. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it feels good. It feels like uh, the next step now. Just take some time it. off. Yeah, yeah. That sounds good. I'm not saying real time off. We'll probably be doing some stuff, but uh, you know, I don't think any of us will sit down and not do any music. Uh, but uh, I, there's no release or no shows planned or nothing. That's when you can do all the side projects that will come out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it, you're laughing, but it's already in the works, so we'll see about that. Oh, nice. Yeah. So uh, what, are, what are they like? Or with who are you playing in those? Um, well, uh, Mark, the bass player, has, I wouldn't call it a side project. It's another band he has called Greber. It's him on uh, bass and a guy on drum, just a two-piece. So these guys are always uh, doing stuff. And um, Topan, uh, the guitar player, and myself, have. Uh, we worked last, uh, about a year ago, we released um, a recording under Murder Rata. Uh, which is sort of there's some noise, there's a bit of ambient, but it's also doomy and heavy parts and sludge at the same time. Oh yeah, uh, it's very interesting stuff. Yeah, so we're working on we're slowly working on another one of those. Cool. Yeah, yeah. No rest for us. <laughs> <laughs> no rest for the fuck the facts. Yeah, that's it. Uh. 
So how would you feel if you did win the Juno Award for Best Heavy Metal Album of the Year? Um, I don't think it's... Personally, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, you know, I've seen the other never nominees. Know. Yeah, that, you're going to point. You never know. But from my feeling, I think, you know, it's our second nomination. We didn't win the last time. It's awesome that we've been nominated two times. Um, if we win, of course, awesome. If someone else wins, awesome for them. Like, I don't. And I think the rest of the guys in the band feel the same way. At this point in our career, let's say we're not really competitive. Um, so, you know, if we win, it's awesome, especially like people like my mom for the first time will be like, oh, yeah, you play music. Eh? Um, but, you know, at the same time, and it doesn't change that much. Like, more people won't come to your show because you got a Juno. Um, we're still called Fuck the Facts, and we still play, like, underground music. So a Juno won't reverse or do a 360 on her career, you know? Like, so it's a cool thing, of course. And just the fact that that category is there since the past four years, I believe, is an awesome thing. Uh, it represents yeah. a whole spectrum of music that has a lot of fan. And, you know, there's so many categories for classical and there was none for metal. But now, finally, this feels more um, accurate, let's say, or more representative. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, well, tomorrow's Valentine's Day. Yeah. Do you have any plans? No. Um, <laughs> no, really no plans. Um, yeah, I have a, a kid and a, a boyfriend, but, well, a spouse, let's say, but I, we're just going to chill like usual. I hate going to restaurants when it's like lineups or, you know, there's, I don't. You have to pay for babysitting. Fun that. Um, I don't know if I can swear, so let's say fun that. Um, no, and at the same time, like Valentine's Day to me, it feels like Eastern. E Eastern, yeah. It really doesn't have much meaning. Like Christmas has that family aspect to it that I really like. Uh, Halloween is fun now that we have a kid. Uh, but Valentine's Day, I mean, if, if you feel good towards someone every day is you take care of that person like i don't yeah. know yeah so why not, reserve uh, for one day yeah that's it let's eat at the restaurant every fucking day but no it's you know i'm yeah i'm probably gonna celebrate that doing grocery or something lame like that i'll probably be listening to <laughs> fuck the facts <laughs> ouch <laughs> that's a rough valentine's day i'm so sorry <laughs> It'll remind me of all my past relationships. Yeah, and like our lyrics are not the most uplifting ones out there, so I don't know. Maybe we're not the right choice. No, it'll just make me glad that I'm not at that point at this time in my life. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> There's always an angle. Yeah. yeah. It's all in the perspective. All in the view, the vile views. 